Be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. You are listening to Romantic Truth with Josen, your host in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. I hope everyone's doing well. I was looking at some stats, and uh, remember we were talking about married women who cheated. And those women that would not leave their husbands. Now, it's been estimated that about 25% of women who are married cheat or have cheated in some capacity. Now, I looked at some stats here and found under one survey that 1-2% to of those women who are married who cheated on their husbands actually leave them. So even if that 25% estimate is correct, what that means is that still, you'll be talking anywhere from 23 to 24% of the women that cheat do not leave their husbands, meaning that the majority do not. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind, does not rather. What this means also to keep in mind is that there are about 68.33 million women that are married in the United States. The outrank men, men are about 67 million men that are married. Go figure. That means that there's a statistic meaning that there are probably more men that are still married and the wife is deceased, separated, you name it. Because they don't count the people that have died in that period. So they'll still be married when the sample was taken. Now, what this means then is 1% to 2%. Let's look at 1% of 68.33 million women. 10% would be 6.833 million women. So we'll be talking about 633,000 women that would fall into the category of leaving their husbands if they cheated on them. With, the, with another guy. So what that means then is, even if you doubled that figure, it wouldn't lead to 2 million people. It'd only be like maybe 1.66 million people, women, that are married. So as you can see, it's a very rare occasion. It's just as rare as a man getting custody of a child, which runs about 2 million people on average, 2 million men that will get their full custody of a child. So what that means then is that, and you hear a lot of people who know somebody and will swear up and down, oh yeah, it's happening everywhere. No, it's not. That number is small. You may know of a girlfriend that left her husband for another man, but just because you experience it doesn't mean that it's something that is universal. Now, some of you have complained about not being able to find single people in your area. And it's very difficult. Here's the thing that you also have to face. There are some people who are embarrassed to admit they're single. And the reason for that is because they look like a social failure to themselves. Nobody wants me. I'm not going to tell someone I'm single because if I do, it's going to make me look bad. 
You'll see people walking around with wedding bands on, wedding rings, who are single. But they do it in order to feel better about themselves because they have a complex. And see, here's the thing. When you have a series of setbacks that are unrelated, sometimes you'll try to find a correlation and try to come to a conclusion when it's not warranted. You may have gone on several dates and they've all been dates that went nowhere. And then you're wondering, well, maybe it's me. And you go and you check yourself out. You even have a heart-to-heart with friends or people that know you very well. And they don't see a problem. And it's a consistent consensus. But it could be the way you're attracting people or where you're meeting them or the caliber of people you're dating. See, some people may feel, even though they're attractive, they may feel very low about themselves emotionally. And so they don't want to fall too far where it would hurt too bad if they landed. So what they do instead is get someone that may be not so attractive, maybe not so desirable by others. So if they were disappointed in this person, the disappointment would be minimal compared to someone who really went out there and got someone and really got devastated because they put all of their all into it. So what they're doing is trying to marginalize their losses. That's one strategy some people use. Now, I joined this dating site called BooBoo, B-U-B-U. And um, it's kind of an open thing. You can download it at the Play Store, App Store. And it asks you, in a series of questions, what kind of sex you're into, whether it's BDSM, oral, anal, conventional. And you're matched not only on some of the things you like and the interests and hobbies, but also what you're into in the bedroom. And they ask you situational questions about friendships. Now, they do away with the filters as far as race, that kind of thing. And you're put together based on your likes, whether or not you like each other, and it gives you the percentage of your compatibility. Not a bad little app. I like it because it's not too cumbersome, doesn't have a lot of uh, bells and whistles on it. It's sufficient, and it works. You know, you don't have to deal with, you know, whether or not the person's going to be a roommate or whether or not you're looking for a buddy or something like that. So it asks what you're into, whether you're into chatting, whether you're into sexting or whatever. And it has a limited group of categories, which is good, because the more decisions you have to make, the more confused you become sometimes on these dating apps. And it makes it harder for you to really match up with a person because everybody has these varied interests. Now, by streamlining it, what it does, it pushes efficiency. And here's the thing, they don't require a bio. And the reason why they don't do that is because of the fact that they want you to be able to facilitate the dialogue with the person and you do your own revelation. Not a bad concept. Hinge is gradually adding features, but Hinge is kind of playing out. Okay, Cupid, it's dead. 
It's like now you see the same old people there. And I was matched with people that I met when I first started there. And here's the crazy part about it. The other night, just for kicks and giggles, I did a search. And I was matched with this lady. I had answered over 500 questions on OkCupid. She only answered two and we were a match, supposedly. And then I looked at the percentage of our match. It was 99%. As I read this woman's profile, we had nothing in common. Not one thing. So I think that's playing out. The long questionnaires are becoming a thing of the past. People are not just going to sit there and do it. Waste their time away. Now, I'm recording this on New Year's Eve. For those of you who are kind of curious. Because I record the shows prior to them being aired. Some of them I will do on the night of. It varies. But right now I'm ahead of myself. And the reason why I tried to do this is just in case something were to happen, maybe a computer glitch or anything else, the show still goes, must go on. Now, as I told you, we're going to be launching uh, the Johnson Hour, and we're going to be doing that show. And I was going to try to have it to kick off tomorrow, which is New Year's Day, but we'll see. So I have some logistics I still have to do. I still have to do some back-end production on it. Now, let's get back to this. Another thing, too. um, When it comes down to these dating sites, these dating apps, some of the newer ones are reasonable. This app I talked about, Booboo, is around $17.99 a month. There are others, however, that have gone as high as $54, $65, the most expensive one I've seen is 170, was $107 per month. And when I looked at the reviews, they sucked. They only had one positive review. And what the person said was, it was entertaining just to chat with people, but more than likely you're not going to meet anyone there. Because they were nothing but bots. So you have to be very careful how you spend your money. Now, here's the thing that I will tell you. The one thing that most men dread, more so than women, is what is called a needy mover. N-E-E-D-Y hyphen M-O-V-E-R. This person is best described as an emotional nomad. In other words, they have to go and be with someone no matter what the situation entails. That person could be abusive, they could be a liar, they could be a cheat. As long as they're with someone, they don't want to be alone. They have abandonment issues and they don't care what they have to cling on to as long as they have a warm body there. Now, the needy mover is a little bit different. They usually stay in bad relationships while looking for a new one. Because the key is, a relationship is like oxygen to them. They need that. 
and they don't want any breaks in between them because they have this sense of being fearful of being by themselves, being alone, because the fear is that they will feel as though they have been rejected and nobody wants them. So in order to accommodate that fear, they have to find themselves in a relationship. They don't care about the quality of it. They're concerned about the quantity of them. Now, with these people, they're prompted to have sex on the first date, usually. And they use what is called saturation sex. There's no real feeling or bond there. They don't care whether they get an orgasm or whether you bust a nut. They don't care. They just want to go through the motions because this is what they've been accustomed to doing in order to get to their next victim. The quality of the sex may be subpar, but as they see it, that's the quickest vehicle to solidify her leaving her present situation to get to the next one. Some men do this as well. But mostly you see women do this. So they don't value that aspect of the relationship. That comes with the territory. So somebody that may think they have really got something with them because they had sex on the first date, well, they're very impressed. Because they're like, wow, you know, this is really going to work. And this is the way all of their relationships start out. But as they get through the relationship, they realize that they have this empty person, like a parasite, that's looking to live off of them emotionally. Now, they're not concerned about how much money the person makes because that's not the food source for them. The food source is your time. Not even so much your attention, but your time. Because they want to be in your presence and with you. And they want to really get rid of anything that becomes an obstacle. Even your own job. And these people will quit jobs in order to make sure that they are available and have time for that partner. Now, one thing that they're known for is any sacrifice that they make on your behalf, they're going to throw it in your face. Because what they try to do is give you the impression that they're doing all of these things for your benefit only. But they're actually the beneficiary. Now, these people aren't stupid. They will literally put themselves in a crisis situation such as getting with you, sleeping with you on the first night and then the next day or the next week tell you that they quit their job. Because what they want to do is to throw a burden on you immediately. Or it could be something like, well, you know, I'm with my boyfriend and he's getting ready to evict me. So in other words, they want to have a call to action immediately where you would have to come rescue them. A lot of men fall for this. They sabotage and intentionally create a crisis so they can be on to the next person because they've worn out their welcome with the other situation that they were with. Some of them don't even have jobs and lie and say that they are getting ready to be fired because they want to have an excuse 
to be with you. And when they get with you, they're going to consume as much time as possible with you. They want the attention and they want the time. Why don't you call in sick today? You don't need to go to work. It's going to be a constant refrain. It's a way of controlling you. It's a way of keeping. Now, they will get to the point where they'll say, well, instead of us working two full-time jobs, why don't we both work part-time and live off of one salary? In other words, you work 20 hours, I work 20 hours, and we take that and work just like if we were single. This person's not concerned about wealth, fame, income. She's not concerned about status. That's the focal point of this person. Sapping the emotional energy and time and attention away from you. Now, the problem with this is that after you've been in a relationship with a person like this, you realize how far that person set you back when they leave or when you get rid of them. Usually you have to get rid of them. They don't leave. You have to pretty much end the relationship with them. And of course, they're going to cop a plea because what they're looking to do is not having to let you change, but to get you to change your habits for their benefit. But now when they see that you're changing and it's going to inconvenience them, they have to start looking elsewhere. Because they've gone through this cycle before and they know when the jig is up. Usually everybody they've dated in the past is a jerk. They were kicked out in most of the relationships or the, bo- or the boyfriend ended. And so they come to you and they use victimhood as a cloak. They want to be the underdog. And you put on your cape and you go in there and try to save them only for her to wait and look for another guy. She's nothing more than a cape chaser. That's what she does. She looks for guys that are going to try to save her, redeem her. Now, the sad thing about women like this, as they get older, they cling even harder and longer. Oh, they're just like a tick under your skin. They're going to suck all the blood out of you. And this is a problem they don't want to address. And then when you address that problem with them, they're going to deflect. They're going to cry. They're going to see you picking on them. And that's their defense. And it gives them ammunition to go for the next person and to tell him what kind of situation she's in. Now, it's not uncommon for these ladies to actually tell a man that she's living with their ex or living with someone and you need to be the hero to come out. There's a lot of information in Taylor Swift's song, Anti-Hero. So it's something you need to think about. We'll talk more in a moment.
Let's talk about another thing that you will face when it comes to dating. Ending the charade. You go out with a person and everything they've told you has crumbled upon meeting them. Everything you've chatted about, everything you talked about over the phone was a big lie. But you don't find it out until you meet them for the first time. Yep, you've been catfished. Now, <clears throat> even though you confront that person about that, oh, they're going to deny, they're going to deflect, they're going to do whatever it takes, and then they're going to go back to victimhood. See, you wouldn't have dated me anyway if I told you the truth. You're damn right, not now. But you stood a possibility before I met you of me accepting the terms of and conditions that we're dealing with now. This is a guerrilla tactic that people will do. This is called guerrilla dating. They tell you whatever it takes in order to get you on a date. And then they try to convert you through sympathy and empathy to get you to accept them. In other words, they're going to force themselves on you emotionally. This is how they do it. Now, there's a couple of things about this and this type of person. They have very low ethical standards. This means that you have to watch everything they do. You could go send them to the store to buy something. And there's a good possibility they probably stole something on the way out. Because their ethics were skewed. I'll tell you about the time when I went to meet my date. And she shows up. She's smiling. She opens up her purse. And all the condiments that were in the jar, she just turned the whole thing over and put them in her purse. I said, well, you know, that's something I don't have to worry about paying for. Because I'm not going to pay the prices they're asking in the store. And she thought it was okay. You will find people where their ethical compasses are off. It's going to have a reflection on you and your standards and your values. And of course, the waitress was annoyed because she knew good and well she had already outfitted the table with everything we needed. And it was only obvious what had happened. And, you know, some people don't think anything of it because, after all, they feel as though they're entitled. And she went on to say, yeah, these restaurants are ripping people off, taking their money. Well, they have to make money in order to stay in business. They have to be profitable to provide you a service. But she didn't look at it that way. She looked at it as they were doing something bad to her, so she was getting back the Robin Hood mindset. I gave the woman an extra tip and she literally got livid because I gave her a $20 tip. Now, our meal didn't even cost 20 bucks because of the restaurant she chose that she wanted to go to. Reese's Spoon right there in the Fairfax district. Over there by 3rd Street. 
As she thought, well, you're paying too much. And I knew then, I said, uh-uh, we ain't doing this. Bragging about, yeah, I got this dress. Don't you like it? I got it from Goodwill. I only paid five bucks for it. Dress did look nice. I didn't have a critical eye of the dress until she said that she got it at Goodwill for five bucks. Now, she made sure to have that brand new Lexus outside. Didn't want to deal with it. Oh, and she was so happy to tell me she lived in Ladera Heights. Yeah, she rented a room from a couple there in Ladera Heights. Because she got evicted out of her apartment. But, of course, she failed to disclose that. Not that I would have held it against her. But she presented it like she was really doing things. But that appeals to people who don't have any money or people who have not been around money. It didn't mean a tinker's damn to me. The thing you have to understand is that what a person may value, you may devalue. And they won't understand it because it means so much to them. And they feel as though it should mean as much to you. And mainly it's about material things. If you're not a materialistic person, you have better choices and options to find someone decent. That's the reason why a lot of these materialistic people, they wind up on their asses a lot of times. I tell you, many women I've dated, they would go down the laundry list of celebrities they slept with and dated, and none of them had decency or respect to even thinking about marrying any of these women. And they wondered why. Yeah, he cheated on me while he was out of town at, a, at another game. Well, yeah, because he saw what you were about. And see, one thing about these folks, these imposters, they're going to still keep doing their little routine in their act, even after you catch them, even after you call them on it, even after you have tried to make them accountable. Because they've been doing it so long, they don't know any other else, any other way to really function. They have an issue with it. I never forget. One lady literally asked me out for a date on one of the dating apps, and we were talking about, you know, ourselves. And she says, "Well." She says, uh, I have dental implants, blah, blah, blah. And she was like in her 30s. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I said, well, let me tell you something up front. It's already in my profile, which she hadn't read. I said, I'm visually impaired. She said, oh, you don't drive? I said, no. I gave up my driving privileges in 2019 because of safety issues. I didn't want nobody getting hurt. I didn't want to get hurt. Well, can you see? Yes, I can still see. I said, depth perception is my biggest issue and peripheral vision. And she was like, oh, so you're almost blind. I said, well, I'm legally blind, that's for sure. And she says, well, do you have a stick? 
At the time, I didn't have a cane. And then she tells me, well, you know, if you had a cane, I, I can't be with you because I don't want to be embarrassed because that wouldn't look good. I don't want no blind man walking around me and feeling all over me and trying to see if... Uh, and I said, no, you don't have to worry about that. She said, do you ever see another dog? I said, no. She said, well, let me see. What would be an incentive to date you? Uh, you don't have a car. You're blind. I would have to probably guide you around. And you'd be an embarrassment to me in public. And not only that, if you were to go blind, I'm not leading you around. So I don't see any benefit to you. That means that you don't make that much money. And she went down the list. And I said, yeah, all is true from your perspective. She said, oh, no, any woman would think that. I said, they probably would if they thought like you. But I said, you have to realize you're not every woman. You're just one. Yeah, but it's only common sense that other women. I said, no, it's not common sense. That's just you rationalizing. I said, but here's the thing why I wouldn't date you. I said, I'm not even going to go with the dental implants that you told me that you had at 30-something years of age. It's not even a point. I said, your attitude, no matter what kind of perfume you put on, no matter what kind of makeup, hair, nails, or anything you do, you're still ugly inside. That can't be changed, my dear. Cosmetics not going to do it. Well, I wish you luck and hope you find someone, but I doubt it if you will. Okay, I say sprinkle your bad wishes on me, and that's fine. I didn't go off on her. Because she had a worse problem than I have. Her mind is fucked up. The very thing that you will need later on in life in order to function. And when your mind is fucked up, your mindset is fucked up. And the way you treat people will come back to bite you in the ass later on in life. And she doesn't realize that yet. So really, who had the disability? Mine was physical, obvious, and I talked about it. I don't treat it like it's something I'm ashamed of. I have it. Boom, that's it. But her disability was something she was ashamed of. Her outlook on life. I told you, not all disabilities are physical. Some are emotional and some are mental. Now, another thing, fellas, especially you have to watch out for. I had a friend of mine years ago, met this lady out at a bar, and she took him home with her. Really liked him. And he was like, man, I got lucky tonight. I said, all right, I'll see you later. We're going to her place. Well, he got over to her place. And this is what he told me next time I saw him. He said, man, I got over there and I put the condom on. And we were ready to rock and roll. 
She told me to take that damn thing off because that wasn't going inside of her. She wanted me inside of her. And he said, like a fool, I went in that row. And he said, man, we were doing everything, pumping away, humping away. He said about a few days later, he went to go to the bathroom. And he felt like there were a whole bunch of ants in his dick. He said he was on fire down there. So he went to the doctor. And he came down with an STD from this lady. He told her about it. And she told him, so what if I do have it? You men spread them around all the time. Then she had the audacity to tell him, well, you're not getting any more of this. And he was like, man, I couldn't believe it. And I told him, I said, there's some women out there that like that. I said, she'll walk around with that infection for life, probably, because she doesn't go to the doctor. And from that, I used to have in my standards that a woman had to have a gynecologist. I'd ask her who her gynecologist's name was. And boy, did I get some visceral reactions from that. Those women that never got checked out, those were the women that would say, Oh, you all in women's stuff. You must be gay. I said, no. You want to go to your gynecologist to make sure that everything's okay down there so that if you have ovarian cancer or something like that, they could catch it in time. But those women are not used to a person caring about them. And they jump the gun and think you're trying to get into their business. I remember I had a lady that was dating one time. And she said she was in the shower and she felt something funny in her breast. And she said, you know, I'm going to the doctor today. And I asked her, I said, uh, what's the doctor's name? She told me the name. I looked the doctor up in the phone book. I went to the doctor's office and met her there. She didn't expect me to. And I waited in the waiting room. She came out. I said, oh, what are you doing here? I said, I care. That made the difference in the way we started our relationship. And she told me, she said, no other man ever thought about doing something like that for me. I said, well, it's because I care about you. I didn't want to ask you directly because that was your personal business but I wanted to be there to support you in the event things didn't go well. Ladies, that's what a man does when he really cares about you. He goes that extra mile because you're worth it. Now, we went down to the kettle in Manhattan Beach we ate so much damn food down there, it wasn't funny. It was pretty good. And we had a wonderful weekend. As a matter of fact, we didn't even bother going back into town. We were in a hotel room there and stayed the night. Went down to the beach the next day. 
that's what a man does if he cares about you, ladies. But the women don't that don't recognize that. That's the reason why you wind up with the thugs. That's the reason why you wind up with the guy that don't give a shit about you. Because you ignore the man who does. See, sensitivity, fellas, is not a weakness. It's a strength. You just have to know how to apply it. You know, when I was in the military, I'm not a big guy. I'm only 6'1". We have about 185. And one thing that I learned from our first sergeant, he said, remember one thing. He said, protect your prostate. In other words, don't lift something so heavy that it's going to give you back aches, knee aches, mess up your prostate gland. He said, don't strain yourself. And he was right. And I started thinking about my father. He had prostate trouble. For all those years, he had to carry that mail bag, that leather mail bag with all that mail in it. He had to walk around and deliver the mail to the mayor, the governor, the state senate down in Mississippi. And it has an adverse effect as you get older. So you don't want that to happen. Because after all, you have a life after you've been worked over on a job over the years. You know that stress that you endure on the job putting up with the bullshit. We don't think about it. But I used to look objectively at some of the people I worked with and I see how they were stressed out in their 50s. Few people had heart attacks. Worried about paying the mortgage. Worried about all these other things. And I said, I didn't want to be like them. And they would just dive into food. Always overweight, always having problems. Health problems. I didn't want to go that route. Because I saw the end result of it too many times. Seeing people carried out on stretchers by the paramedics. I can't afford to lose my job. I got two kids in college. I got a mortgage, got a car payment. My wife is not working. And they were in some treacherous situations. A lot of them didn't go to school, so they couldn't advance in the company. So they were stuck. Constantly arguing at home. Some of the guys would stop by the bar before they go home. They'd have that long drive to different places. That long commute. And they're like, you know, I got to decompress from work first. And then I got to build myself up and hope that my wife sleep by the time I get home so we don't argue. Used to see that a lot. Some of the married women I worked with, they'd be like, I just call my husband and just tell him I'm over at my sister's. But they don't feel like making a commute. 
Instead, they want to sleep with one of the employees locally. Things will take a toll on your relationship. Things that you may not expect. More in a moment. Now we've heard the adage, misery loves company. And a lot of times what we will see is just that. Miserable people desiring to make other people miserable, like they are. A level of congruency, emotionally. You're in an interracial relationship. Someone of your same race makes a comment and tries to confront you for being with someone out of the race as if you're in some sort of military legion and you're in some way fraternizing with the enemy, so to speak. That person may feel as though you don't deserve to be with that other person, but that other person doesn't deserve to be with you. You should be with that person that's upset about it. And under normal circumstances, even if you were to have met that person without your partner, you would have passed them over anyway. Now, this holds true with friends. I dated a lady one time, and this was the lady that uh, lied to me about going out with me while she was actually cheating and went out with her girlfriends to meet this other guy, and he went to Vegas. And I was in California. And we were supposed to have been going down to uh, Coachella. And so what happened, a friend at Coachella, let me know a lot of things that were happening because she was expecting her to pay for the tickets and then it was a big mess. And her friend, the one in Coachella, told me she doesn't deserve a guy like you. You deserve better than she. And sometimes you're confronted with a reality like this. Ladies, let me tell you something. A lot of times a guy that will have that male friend hanging around them, he can't wait to tell you about how you shouldn't be with him. This is the reason why most men go single or solo. And we branch off when we uh, get involved in relationships. We branch off because we don't want to be bothered. Because we know that that dude, in some way, is going to be a problem. That's the reason why most men, when their buddies wind up in a relationship or getting married, engaged, or something like that, we lay off contacting them to come hang out with us. Because, yes, ladies, we're looking for other women while we're out there, if we're single. We're not just sitting around drinking beers and bullshitting. Sometimes we'll do that, but rarely. Because as soon as we find ourselves in the company of a woman, fuck our friends. 
So y'all try to invite him to the table. Girl, I met this guy. You know, Ralph, come over here. As men, we don't do that shit. We be like, man, get the fuck away from us. <laughs> because we're not as sociable as you are. We don't want any competition. And that's part of our male insecurity. Again, we still have to manage those insecurities, don't we? We just can't go around, walk around with them on our sleeves or else nobody want to date us. So we have to put those in check. Now, some men do, some men don't. When a guy doesn't put his insecurities in check, it resonates and a woman sees it and she's repulsed by it. But as men, out of respect, under a regular gentleman's agreement, you see a man talking to a lady, you don't interrupt them. Even if he's your friend, you just nod to him and that's it. He's working on his lady. He's working on trying to get things squared away. Let him be the one to come over to you and introduce her to you. That's the way you do it. You don't encroach, fellas. Even if the female is a friend of yours and she's in the company of another male, you don't bring your ass over there and say, hey, girl, what's up? You don't do no shit like that. You let her be the one to do the introduction to you. Out of respect. That's the way it's done. You avoid conflict that way. Ladies, something I need to tell you, and there's a lady that I dated one time that did this dumb shit. We were out one time at Target, right up there on uh, La Brea and Santa Monica Boulevard, that big Target up there on that corner that's still there today. And we went out because she had to get something from Target. And there was this little boy that was walking in front of us. Now the mom had stopped to look at something. The little boy was walking along. She grabs the little boy by the hand and she's walking the little boy back to her to his mother. She said, oh, I can't let him just walk through the store like this. I said, wait, whoa, wait a minute. You need to talk to the mom. Before I could say that, she had grabbed the boy's hand and was walking back to the mother. Instant, instant confrontation. You have no right to be holding on to my child. And she was like, well, you would just, if you were any kind of mother, your mother, you would have went on and, and I warned her. I said, you don't touch somebody's child. You talk to the parent, always. And let them be the one. Oh, shit, let me go get my son. The only time that you would really intervene is if somebody's coming in shooting or something like that and you just want to get the kid to cover. But when it comes to something like that, that was parental neglect. Let her deal with that. And she's like, well, you know, I worked in social services and I can't say yes, but you got to take your emotions out of it. I said, that woman would have probably accused you of everything under the sun. She's like, well, I'm, I'm a woman. I said, doesn't matter. 
I said, look at what happened with the McMartin school case. Ruined all those people's lives. Tore that school down over a lie. That guy that was the janitor down there in San Diego who was mentally ill and they accused him of molesting those kids and ruined that man's life and reputation. He hadn't touched anybody. I said, you always consult the parents. And we had a back and forth about that in the car, and she was mad at me. But what was I supposed to do? I said, what you're supposed to do is contact that parent and let the parent handle it. The child was really in no danger. There was nobody else around but us two walking down the aisle. But she didn't see it that way. This is why, fellas, if there's anything that's done and there's a male present, you talk to the male. Ladies, let me tell you something. If something was done to you, don't always try to handle it yourself. You could be the measure of your man's intervention based on how you handle it. If it's something egregious, like he went and palmed your titty or something like that, yeah, you can definitely get on him and talk to your man about it. But if he says something like, ask you for your phone number, you tell him you're married, yeah, you handle that yourself. Be considerate of your husband's reaction or your man's reaction. If you see him getting ready to roll up and getting ready to rear back on him, that's when you got to intervene and say, hey, you know what? I need you more than we need this situation. Got to let him know that. Because if he's there to protect you, oh, he's going to protect you. He's chomping at the bit to whoop somebody's ass over you. That's if you're a good woman and you're worth it as he sees it. I'll never forget one time we were out of the club, and there was this lady, and she was at another table. And this other woman came in, and this lady kept looking at her boyfriend. So the lady goes to the ladies' room, and the one lady from the table walks over to the boyfriend, and she starts talking to him, and she's standing there, and she gives him her phone number, writes it out on a napkin and gives it to him. He takes the phone number. When she comes out of the ladies' room, she sees her walking back to the table, not knowing really what had happened. One of the other women that observed the situation walked over and whispered to her what had happened. She and her man got into it. And then she started talking crap to the lady at the other table. Before you know it, they got into a fight. Now, I will tell you this much. Ladies, when you get into an altercation with another woman, y'all are some wild motherfuckers. <laughs> we literally watch these women wind up being butt naked 
pulling hair, pulling jewelry, pulling clothes, and trying to break them up. And the crazy thing about it, security came over, two security guards came over trying to break them up, one male, one female. Well, the female guard got her ass just straight up whooped by the lady who was trying to hold her back. And the other security guard, the male security guard, he was kind of skinny. He was trying to split them up from each other. Shit. That girl had more moves than damn Tony Dorsett on the damn football field back in the day. She went went left and came back right and got on top of this woman and started beating her. And so finally they broke them up and kicked them both out. But it was funny. This female security guard was getting up as she was trying to put all her shit back there, knocked her flashlight out, knocked her damn walkie-talkie off. Amazing, everything was all over the floor. She was trying to pick everything up. And it was funny because one of the women, the one that snitched, she says, you got your ass full of time. She started laughing. But old girl didn't think it was funny. She got her ass kicked out along with her little entourage. Shit like that used to jump off all the time, especially in the black clubs. Seen a few in the white clubs, but mainly in the black clubs. And the crazy thing about it, it was over nothing. The only thing the guy had to do was not take a number. And then, being that he did so, the other woman didn't have to snitch. And you'll run into that sometimes. It's one of the reasons why I tell you guys, especially, be careful on inter-office relationships. It's not the woman you're trying to appeal to that's going to more than likely go to HR. It's going to be the woman that probably wanted you or didn't want you with her because she thought you should be with her that's going to be the one to spill the beans. She's going to be the one offended. Or she may not want to see a relationship develop because she's in a bad one or she got dumped or she may be alone wishing she was with somebody. And people have that complex and that power trip. So you have to watch it. Some of your closest people around you don't want to see you happy. As I told you, they want to see you like them. But yeah, I don't have anybody in my life. Why should that person have somebody in theirs? And why should they be happier than I am? They use the qualifiers. And they look at it from the standpoint that they deserve to be with you. And why do they deserve that? Because it's all in their head. They have that sense of entitlement. I should be with this person because. And once they rationalize it on that level, it's irrelevant what the other party thinks. It's all about what they think, what they feel. Because most of them aren't thinking, they're feeling. And this is one thing when you go into a relationship that you're going to have to separate the two from what you think to what you feel. Because sometimes what you feel isn't 
the reality of what you should think at the time. I'd be a better woman for him. I don't know why he's with her. Well, he's with her for various reasons. She could be a good woman in general. But you're going on the physical aspect of it. Because you got to remember one thing, ladies, and I mm, hate to put it in this way, but I am. You're thinking you'll be the best woman for him because you're going to give him introductory pussy. That woman that he's with that you may not think is so attractive, she's probably giving him thank you pussy. Thank you pussy is far better than introductory because they got something to build from. And she's got something to be thankful for. And that's the reason why it's so good. Any man will tell you about thank you pussy. Any man will tell you. Because it's a passion that a woman has when she gives it to a man. It's not labored. It's voluntary. She doesn't care whether he has a condom on or not. And it's more than just the sexual aspect of it. No, she want to be kissed. She want to be hugged. She want to feel him in a way far beyond his penis. It's like she's starved for him. And when she wrapped those legs around his waist and locked those ankles, she wants everything. Hell, I remember when I was at Monica and she used to tell me, uh, you don't have to worry about getting me pregnant. I'm on the pill. I want every drop of everything inside you, inside me. And I'm like, damn. And I remember one time we had so much sex, I was crying. And she's like, what's wrong? I said, my dick hurt. <laughs> and she's like, you need to quit. I said, it does. It's sitting over there in the chair right now. Look at him. He got a backache. He got a cramp in the head. His nuts are sagging. <laughs> but I'm telling you, fellas. When you get your first piece of thank you for that's that, and here's the thing, ladies. For many of you who don't know, that thank you pussy, that woman that he keeps coming back to and would do anything for it, lie, whatever it takes, even if his car is on the flat, that motherfucker drive on the rim to be over there. That thank you pussy, that shit's addictive. That shit is more addictive than oxycodone. I'm telling you. That shit, mm-hmm. you talking about this opioid crisis, they don't talk about the thank you pussy crisis. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. And it's not just the regular sex you have with them. No. Mm-mm. It's that deep, that sex that comes from deep within your soul. And when you get that orgasm, it's that orgasm where you're not sure you're going to still be breathing after you finish. And fellas, you know what happens when we get that kind of pussy. 
Oh, shit. Start dressing differently. Start acting like we somebody's husband. Oh, yeah, the cussing stops. No name calling. Oh, we straighten the hell up. We'd even go to church with them on Sunday behind that. Some women has that, have that. Not all women do. And those that do, you know who you are, ladies. Put that testifying, waving your handkerchief in the air right now. Putting them in to sleep. Putting them in a coma. Pussy coma. And you laying in the bed, your knees are weak. You done drained everything out of you. No damn way you can't stand up. Try to get out of bed to go to the bathroom and then fall the fuck down. Wet spot in the bed, big in the motherfucker. That motherfucker look like a lake. No matter where you roll in the bed, you're laying in the shit. Yep. Can't even get up. Might even have to crawl to the bathroom sometime. Both of you. There's something else, I tell you. And you sit there and you just wonder, like, damn. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing, ladies, that I will say not to do, that some of you do, especially if your husband's in the military or overseas. Some of you will go on Pornhub, X-Hamster, or any one of these adult sites, and you'll upload a video of you pleasing yourself for your man's enjoyment. Now, I understand there are some military regulations where they can't have porn on their phones. And they shouldn't, not on the government phone. But you're also letting the world see. So be careful on that. But sex, please, don't treat it as a taboo. It's a part of ordinary life. Just like taking a dump. Because you do more embarrassing shit other than sex in the bathroom. So therefore, you can't put sex in the same category as taking a shit. Peeing. That's one thing that used to freak me out with women. The lady I told you about that <laughs> took me out to the Angeles National Forest for our date to go living out in the wilderness for a weekend. She had a tent and all of that stuff in there. So she goes to take a pee. And she was going, doing her thing, and then she heard something, and she stopped that shit immediately. Not one drop came out, pulled up her pants, was ready to go. I said, you got some blood control? Like, how the hell? Because, you know, when we pee, we can't stop. Because if the bear's after us, we'll still be pissing while the bear's chasing us. Going there, we'll get all in our face and everything. The bear probably trip over the head of a dick. It happens. 
So if we were like in a horror movie or caught in a situation like that with a bear, we'd be fuckers men. You ladies? Shit, you can pull up your pants. Okay, let's go. Let's fight. See, we can't do that shit. Be thankful. That's a talent you got that we don't have. Now, one last thing, and then I'll conclude in the next uh, segment. Farting on a date. Ladies, let me tell you something about that. Make the judgment based on the guy. Most men don't mind you farting on a date. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I know you think it's gross. But many of you do it. You're worried about the older. As men, we don't really care because we're probably going to challenge you and have a fart battle in the car. It depends on how tight the guy is. If the guy's not into you, well, he's going to be annoyed. He's going to be annoyed at everything you do. If he's into you, he's going to laugh his ass off. I remember one time Monica and I were going to the movies. That fart was so long, it lasted almost the length of that red light that we stopped at. I'm glad we were in a convertible that day. I was like, wow. Mm-mm-mm. And once a man hears you fart, he treats it like a mating call. Probably answer back. It's a methane moment. So, take it in stride. More in a moment. Marvin writes the following from Durham, North Carolina. Could you please, please, please tell black women that they do too much and they ask for too much compared to women of other races. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I met a lady out of Atlanta. She told me that before we can actually date, I would have to own my own car, my own house, my own company, because she was used to dating men that made $400,000 a year or more. So I took the disc and I walked away. She then comes over and asks me for my phone number. Reluctantly, I gave it to her. She told me that her standards still stood. When I got those things, then we could start dating. Now here in Durham, I do lease a house through my corporation. I have a car that's leased through my corporation. And my company's worth about $3 million. Not much, by most businesses but it's what I can actually manage and own I have an IT service and doing very well for myself with it and at first I started to tell her all these things in order to try to impress her but something just told me to hold back and when I listened to some of your podcasts it gave me a lot of validity to hold back now The irony is, as an African-American man, I met this white woman here. Her family has a business. 
far, far more successful than mine. She's simple. We met for coffee. And she told me that she wanted to get just a modest wood frame house and a pickup truck. She wore a little eyeliner and lipstick and that was it. She didn't ask for the sky and the moon. She and I and I have started dating. And now the lady from Atlanta wants to come up for New Year's. I advised her against it and told her I was with someone. She said she didn't care. She would like to meet her. I'm wondering what her reaction is going to be when she finds out she's a white woman. What I found amazing after listening to one of your podcasts, how the value system is so different between some of the haves and the have-nots. She's not the first black woman that's asked for a pie in the sky. It's been done many times over. I would love for you to address this on your show if you don't mind, sir. I'll keep listening and I'll spread the word. My girlfriend listens to you and so does her brother. Yep, you hit the nail on the head, sir. Sometimes, and it doesn't have to do with race as much as it has to do with poverty and income. You will find that a lot of impoverished women in general are looking for that lifestyle. It's not your job to provide it. If she wants it, she could do it her damn self, just like anyone else does. But she doesn't want to. You got a woman that's from a successful family already, and you didn't have to do shit to get her. But be yourself. These other women want you to do all these financial acrobatics and everything. Nobody's going through that shit. And a lot of African-American women sometimes think that is because they're black. Well, that's what they've been fed by the Democratic Party for years. Anything that's wrong, anything you don't get, is because you're black. But don't worry, black people. We'll take care of you. We'll speak up for you. We'll get the ACLU out there to go in. Get your rights enforced. You just keep playing that victimhood card and you'll be okay. Because those mean Republicans really hate you because you're black. There is some validity to that. Republicans really don't want to have nothing to do with blacks except for having them as a poster child. Like, you can name the list of those conservative blacks that they always put in front of us that nobody likes. So what it comes down to is simple. It comes down to the fact that you got one group that's exploiting you and the other group that can't stand you. So where do you stand? So I see where you're coming from with this. They bought into that old thing that everybody else should be. You did the right thing. Doesn't matter whether she's white or whatever race. It's her mindset. It's her mindset. And there are black women, just like the white woman you're with, that have the same mindset. And nine times out of ten, she's already in a relationship. 
and he has fewer problems getting into one. There's some African-American women that I know that have had some healthy relationships as they've gone through life, grew up in single-parent household, never had a damn problem getting a good man. And I see others of them, shit. And, you know, one size doesn't fit all. That depends on your exposure, your influencers, and that's the big key. People who are not selective about who influences them, they usually wind up going in circles. They follow trends. Oh, because it's popular. They're going this way one minute, the next way the next. Yeah, you had all this shit, all this talk about veganism and how you're going to have all these different vegan lobster and all this other shit. Nobody was willing to give that up. Nobody was willing to give up the real thing for something fake. All these women were on TikTok talking about getting into the crypto market. I don't see so much of that now. And what I realized, especially being out in the dating scene for so many years, when I see these people that will follow these trends, those were lost people. They were looking for a leader. Fellas, that should be the first characteristic you're looking for in a lady is someone who can lead their own destiny with a plan. That should be a priority and a prerequisite. They should have a sense of self. The makeup, the hair, the big butt, the Brazilian butt lips, the tummy tucks, the, all that shit doesn't compensate. But that's all physical. You need to look at their minds because that's going to be the thing that's going to carry you. All the rest of those accoutrements, you can find those anywhere. You'll be surprised. Even some of the prostitutes, they have all those physical embellishments. They're thinkers. And they're not thinking on a lower scale either. There's a lady right here in Nevada, over in Pahrump. I had the pleasure of talking to her, trying to get her on the show, but I don't know what kind of agreement they have with the brothel that they work at while they're working there. But we were just talking one evening. And what she was telling me were some of the plans and how she had set up for the future. She's getting ready to go back to UNLV. She only has one more year to do. She's already putting most of the money she makes into S&P 500 funds. She got her principal account open up. She's got a 401k started. She's got a Roth IRA. Every dollar she makes counts. And she said, all these proposals to get married from these men that are her clients, 
And she said, they're all sweet and nice, but they're clients. They could never be someone that I'm with. And she said, I'm not ready for a relationship now. She says, I'm actually working and listening in order to make myself better. She listens to the morning call on Goldman Sachs, a podcast about where to invest. Told me she listened to my show. And she said there was one episode that made her think about her situation. This woman's only 25. She's going to be set if she keeps going down the same path she's going. Because she's making that work for her. And none of the other women that she worked with, or even the madam there, knows that she's doing this. And she'll be out of there by the end of the year. And she's got another gig set up somewhere else. She's using her brain because she knows her body's not going to last long in that industry. She's not stupid. And ladies, let me tell you something. She'll be a viable candidate for a wife, even by being a legal whore. And some of you ladies who have great jobs and attitude without a plan. Men will give you dick, but will they give you respect? Will they give you dignity? Will they trust you? Will they cherish you? Will they love you? Those are the questions you need to ask. If you're getting a BBL to be competitive with other women, You've already lost the race. You see, as men, we don't waste money on cosmetic surgery on a grand scale. I mean, the guy may wear a toupee. He may dye his beard and dye his hair. He may go and try to get Rogaine for his head. He'll go out and probably go to the gym and try to work out so he can have those muscles. Become a gym bro. And fuck everything that's female that comes through there. Especially the older women that are trying to still stay young and try to attract a man. Those guys have no intentions of being with those women long term. Because they know good and well, they quit working out, it's going to turn the fly up. They stay there for the younger women. Those that are in their 30s and 40s. You got to stay physically fit. They get into their 50s and 60s. Mm. Because the reason why they're working out like that is because 
that's one of the latest trends in order to catch women. You get the woman that's insecure about her physical being. And then you're the guy that shore up that insecurity. Oh, she's going to be all under you. She's going to give you all the pussy in the world. These guys know this. Why do you think physical training is one of those jobs that guys love to have? Are they training you physically? All right. <laughs> and you're happy because you're older. And you're with this young man that's got this tight fit. Oh, and it's making you feel good. You see, back when I was out there with, to attract these older women, they weren't into the beefcake guys. Many of them were married to those guys. They didn't want all the muscles. Some did, most didn't. They wanted the smooth guy. The refined guy. Now, they want the physical guy. They want the Adonis type. So they can relive those fantasies from high school. They're a few pounds heavier. They got stretch marks and cellulite. They got flab. But they still had a desire. And they get their fulfillment. A lot of cougars hang out at these places, these gyms. Many of them for that purpose only. Feel appreciated. To be admired for their physical appearance. It depends. There are others that are doing it in order to make themselves feel better. You know, it's funny. I dated a bodybuilder years ago, female bodybuilder. Excellent body. A lot of guys were like, man, I don't know about that. And it cracked me up. She says, uh, I try not to do too many neck exercises because what that does. It creates tension in the muscles in my face. And she said, I want to wind up like some of these women, but they look like men in the face. And she was telling me about the industry, how she had offers to do porn and all this stuff because they try to get them to participate in that crap. And she said, no, I want to ruin my reputation like that. She was extremely toned, but not overly. She wasn't taking all those hormones like some of the rest of them were. But it started making the changes in them. Oh, she had the six-pack abs. She had all of that. And boy, when we had sex, it was it was on the cracking. Those muscles were. They were intact. And I never forget what she told me. 
She says she started doing it out of an insecurity because there was this one girl that used to bully her when she was little. And she swore to herself that she was never going to be bullied again by anyone else. She got in relationships where the guy was pretty mean to her. And she didn't want to be pushed around anymore. Relationship went pretty well. We lasted for about maybe six months. And then she got on this thing where she wanted to go and start living a totally vegetarian diet. And she was doing away with all these different things that she was taking. And she wanted to go back to being natural. Thought there was nothing wrong with it. And she said, well, I'm going to move somewhere where I'm kind of isolated. She says, you're welcome to join me. But what she was moving to in Wyoming, hell, I looked at the pay of those jobs. Mm-mm. Then I thought about the snow. Mm-mm. I had to go to Cheyenne or Laramie to work, and she lived about 250 miles from any civilized city, large city. And she and her sister moved. And they did pretty well for themselves, from what I understand. They'd become rich or nothing. But she became very enlightened. And she opened up a retreat where people can go if they are overwhelmed with life. And it was like a respite for them to rejuvenate. Meditation, that kind of thing. That wasn't my thing. But that's what she chose to do. And I remember she used to always ask me, do I still feel like a woman to you? And I said, yeah. Because she was always concerned about that. She didn't want to be masculine. She just wanted to be in a way where she could still keep her feminine traits, but yet had to be intimidating physically. I met her at a mixer. Nobody walked up to her to talk to her. And she was tall, and she was very, very toned. Started up a conversation before you know it, set up a date, started going out, went to a few of her competitions. She placed like 25th. Well, that was okay. Well, some of those women did look like men. Face was all kind of hard and shit. That's when she told me, she said, yeah, some of those girls are taking steroids. Then eventually she got out of it. But she was a real sweet person. To this very day, we keep in touch. Much older now, doesn't work out anymore. And she grows these herbs and plants and all kinds of things and hybrids, and she's into that. 
get a peace of mind. It all depends on how you want to live your life, but guess what? She had a plan. And that was key. When I met her, she told me she was going to get out of bodybuilding. And she got a word and she did. Well, folks, it's been a pleasure. I want you to take care. We'll talk more on tomorrow. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.